Chapter Fifteen, Part Two of the Guns of Shiloh. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Guns of Shiloh by Joseph A. Altscheller, Chapter Fifteen, The Red Dawn of Shiloh, Part Two. The combat redoubled around Sherman. Johnston was gone, but his generals still shared his resolution. They turned an immense fire upon the point where stood Sherman and McClernand, now united by imminent peril. Their ranks were searched by shot and shell, and the bullets whizzed among them like a continuous swarm of hornets. Dick was still unwounded, but so much smoke and vapor had drifted about his face that he was compelled at times to rub his eyes that he might see. He felt a certain dizziness, too, and he did not know whether the incessant roaring in his ears came wholly from the cannon and rifle fire, or partly from the pounding of his blood. "'I feel that we are shaking,' he shouted in the ears of Warner, who lay next to him. "'I'm afraid we're going to give ground.' "'I feel it, too,' Warner shouted back. "'We've been here for hours, but we're shot to pieces. Half of our men must be killed or wounded. But how old Sherman fights!' The southern leaders brought up fresh troops and hurled them upon Sherman. Again the combat was hand to hand, and to the right and left the supports of the indomitable northern general were being cut away. Those brigades who had proved their mettle at Donelson, and who had long stood fast, were attacked so violently that they gave way, and the victors hurled themselves upon Sherman's flank. Dick and his two young comrades perceived through the flame and smoke the new attack. It seemed to Dick that they were being enclosed now by the whole southern army, and he felt a sense of suffocation. He was dizzy from such a long and terrible strain, and so much danger, and he was not really more than half conscious. He was loading and firing his rifle mechanically, but he always aimed at something in the red storm before him, although he never knew whether he hit or missed, and was glad of it. The division of Sherman had been standing there seven hours, sustaining with undaunted courage the resolute attacks of the southern army. But the sixth sense, warning Dick, that it had begun to shake at last, was true. The sun had now passed the zenith, and was pouring intense and fiery rays upon the field, sometimes piercing the clouds of smoke, and revealing the faces of the men, black with sweat and burned gunpowder. A cry arose for Grant. Why did not their chief show himself upon the field? Was so great a battle to be fought with him away? And where was Buell? He had a second great army. He was to join them that day. What good would it be for him to come tomorrow? Many of them laughed in bitter derision. And there was Lew Wallace, too. They had heard that he was near the field with a strong division. Then why did he not come upon it and face the enemy? Again they laughed, that fierce and bitter laugh, deep down in their throats. The attack upon Sherman never ceased for an instant. Now he was assailed, not only from the front, but from both flanks, and some even gaining the rear struck blows upon his division there. One brigade upon his left was compelled to give way, scattered and lost its guns. The right wing was also driven in, and the center yielded slowly, although retaining its cohesion. The three lads were on their feet now, and it seemed to them that everything was lost. They could see the battle in front of them only, but rumors came to them that the army was routed elsewhere. But neither Sherman nor McClernand would yield, save for the slow retreat 
yielding ground foot by foot only and there were many unknown heroes around them sergeant whitley blazed with courage and spirit we could be worse off than we are he shouted to dick general buell's army may yet come maybe we could be worse off than we are but i don't see how it's possible shouted dick in return a certain grim humor possessing him for the moment look what i said has come true already shouted the sergeant here is shelter that will help us to make a new stand in their slow retreat they reached two low hills between which a small ravine ran it was not a strong position but sherman used it to the utmost his men fired from the protecting crests of the hills and he filled the ravine with riflemen who poured a deadly fire upon the assailants now sherman ordered them to stand fast to the last man because it was by this road that the division of lew wallace must come if it come at all but the southern brigades followed them and the battle raged anew as fierce and deadly as ever although their army was routed at many points the northern officers showed indomitable courage driven back in the forest they always strove to form the lines anew and now their efforts began to show some success their resistance on the right hardened and on the left they held fast to the chain of hills that covered the wharves and their stores at the river landing as they took position here two gunboats in the river began to send huge shells over their heads at the attacking southern columns maintaining a rapid and heavy fire which shook assailants and strengthened defenders again the water had come to the help of the north and at the most critical moment the whole northern line was now showing a firmer front and grant himself was directing the battle fortune which had played a game with grant at donelson played a far greater one with him on the far greater field of shiloh the red dawn of shiloh when johnston was sweeping his army before him had found him at savannah far from the field of battle the hardy and vigorous nelson had arrived there in the night with buell's vanguard and grant had ordered to march at speed the next day to join his own army but he himself did not reach the field of shiloh until ten o'clock when the fiercest battle yet known on the american continent had been raging for several hours grant and his staff as they rode away from his headquarters heard the booming of cannon in the direction of shiloh some of them thought it was a mere skirmish but it came continuously like rolling thunder and their trained ears told them that it rose from a line miles in length one seeks to penetrate the mind of a commanding general at such a time and see what his feelings were again the battle had been joined and was at its height and he away those trained ears told him also that the rolling thunder of the cannon was steadily moving toward them it could mean only that the northern army had been driven from its camp and that the southern army was pushing its victory to the utmost in those moments his agony must have been intense his great army not only attacked but beaten and he not there he and his staff urged their horses forward seeking to gain from them new ounces of speed but the country was difficult the hills were rough and there were swamps and mire and as they listened the roar of the battle steadily came nearer and nearer there was no break in the northern retreat the sweat not of heat but of mental agony stood upon their faces grant was not the only one who suffered now they met some of the stragglers who flee from every battlefield no matter what the nation their faces were white with fear and they cried out that the northern army was destroyed 
officers cursed them and struck at them with the flats of their swords but they dodged the blows and escaped into the bushes there was no time to pursue them grant and his staff never ceased to ride toward the storm of battle which raged far and wide around the little church of shiloh the stream of fugitives increased and now they saw swarms of men who stood here and there not running but huddled and irresolute never did fortune who brought this her favorite from the depths bring him again in her play so near to the verge of destruction when he came upon the field the battle seemed wholly lost and the whole world would have cried that he was to blame but the bulldog in grant was never of stauncher breed than on that day his face turned white and he grew sick at the sight of the awful slaughter a bullet broke the small sword at his side but he did not flinch preserving the stern calm that always marked him on the field he began to form his lines anew and strengthen the weaker points yet the condition of his army would have appalled a weaker will it had been driven back three miles his whole camp had been taken his second line also had been driven in many thousands of men had fallen and other thousands had been taken thirty of his cannon were in the hands of the enemy and although noon had now come and gone there was no sound to betoken the coming of the troops led by wallace or nelson well might grant's own stout heart have shrunk appalled from the task before him wallace was held back by confused orders pardonable at such a time the eager nelson was detained at savannah by buell who thought that the sounds of the engagement they heard in the shiloh woods was a minor affair and who wanted nelson to wait for boats to take him there it seemed sometimes to dick long afterward when the whole of the great shiloh battle became clear that fortune was merely playing a game of chess with the earth as a board and the armies as pawns grant's army was ambushed with its general absent the other armies which were almost at hand were delayed for one reason or another while as for the south the genius that had planned the attack and that had carried it forward was quenched in death when victory was at its height but for the present the lad had little time for such thoughts as these the success of sherman in holding the new position infused new courage into him and those around him the men in gray wearied with their immense exertions and having suffered frightful losses themselves abated somewhat the energy and fierceness of their attack the dissolved northern regiments had time to reform grant seized a new position along a line of hills in front of which ran a deep ravine filled with brushwood he and his officers appreciated the advantage and they massed their troops there as fast as they could now fortune after having brought grant to the verge of the pit was disposed to throw chance in his way the hills and the ravine were one another and most important it was was the presence of guns of the heaviest caliber landed some days ago from the fleet and left there until their disposition could be determined a quick-witted colonel webster by name gathered up all the gunners who had lost their own guns and who had been driven back in the retreat and manned this great battery of siege guns just as the southern generals were preparing to break down the last stand of the north meanwhile a terrible rumor had been spreading in the ranks of the southern troops the word was passed from soldier to soldier that their commander johnston whom they had believed invincible had been killed and they did not trust so much beauregard who was left in command nor those who helped their fiery spirit abated somewhat 
there was no decrease of courage but continuous victory did not seem so easy now confusion invaded the triumphant army also beauregard had divided the leadership on the field among three of his lieutenants hardy now urged on the center bragg commanded the right and polk the bishop general led the left it was bragg's division that was about to charge the great battery of siege guns that the alert webster had manned so quickly five minutes more and webster would have been too late here again were the fortunes of grant brought to the very verge of the pit the northern gunboats at the mouth of the lick creek moved forward a little and their guns were ready to support the battery the kentucky regiment was wedged in between the battery and the brigade and it was gasping for breath colonel winchester slightly wounded in three places commanded his men to lie down and they gladly threw themselves upon the earth there was a momentary lull in the battle wandering winds caught up the banks of smoke and carried most of them away dick as he rose a little saw the southern troops massing in the forest for an attack upon their new position they seemed to be only a few yards away and he clearly observed the officers walking along the front of the lines it flashed upon him that they must hold these hills or grant's army would perish where was buell why did he not come if the southerners destroyed one northern army today they would destroy another tomorrow they would break the two halves of the union force in the west into pieces first one and then the other what do you see dick asked warner who was lying almost flat upon his face the confederate army is getting ready to wipe us off the face of the earth up with your rifle george they'll be upon us in two minutes they heard a sudden shout behind them it was a glad shout and well it might be nelson held back by buell's orders had listened long to the booming of the cannon off in the direction of shiloh nothing could convince him that a great battle was not going on and all through the morning he chafed and raged and as the sound of the cannon grew louder he believed that grant's army was losing nelson obtained buell's leave at last to march for shiloh but it was a long road across hills and creeks and through swamps the cannon sank deep in the mire and then the ardent nelson left them behind now he knew there was a great need for haste the flashing and thundering in front of them showed to the youngest soldier in his command that a great battle was in progress and that it was going against the north his division at last reached pittsburg landing and was carried across the river in the steamers one brigade led by amen outstripped the rest and rushed in behind the great battery and to its support just as the southern bugles once more sounded the charge dick shouted with joy too when he saw the new troops the next moment the enemy was upon them charging directly through a frightful discharge from the great guns the riddled regiments which had fought so long gave way before the bayonets but the fresh troops took their places and poured a terrible fire into the assaulting columns and the great guns of the battery hurled a new storm of shell and solid shot the ranks of the southern troops worn by a full day of desperate fighting were broken they had crossed the ravine into the very mouths of the northern guns but now they were driven back into the ravine and across it cannon and rifles rained missiles upon them there and they withdrew into the woods while for the first time in all that long day a shout of triumph rose from the union lines another lull came in the battle what are they doing now dick asked the vermonter i can't see very well 
but they seem to be gathering in the forest for a fresh attack do you know george that the sun is almost down it's certainly time it's been at least a month since the johnnies ran out of the forest in the dawn and jumped on us it was true that the day was almost over although but few had noticed the fact the east was already darkening and the rosy glow from the west fell across the torn forest here and there a dead tree set on fire by the shells burned slowly little flames creeping along trunk and boughs bragg was preparing to hurl his entire force upon sherman and the battery at that moment beauregard now his chief arrived but a few minutes of daylight were left and the swarthy louisianian looked at the great losses in his own ranks he believed that the army of buell was so far away that it could not arrive that night and he withheld the charge the southern army withdrew a little into the woods the night rushed down and shiloh's terrible first day was over end of chapter 15 part 2